Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, folk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step. No, thank you for downloading, viewing the number one ranked show. And we got a really great show for you today. We're going to talk with Indiana head coach Tom Allen. We're going to break down the preseason AP Top 25. And we got a really fun We Out Here segment for you, along with my top impact freshman. But first, check it. The preseason AP Top 25, as I told you, came out, you know, last Monday. And once again, Alabama is at the front, but don't worry, Texas is back. Nick Saban recently became the last man on earth to find out that Oregon has more than 100 uniform combinations for its football team. Upon hearing this fact, Saban told the media, we have two red jerseys at home, white jerseys away. Our main concern around here is who is wearing them. You know, it's funny. I read the same thing about some soldiers in the Revolutionary War. They weren't the good guys. Meanwhile, at Oklahoma, where the nickname for the flagship football team is a euphemism for a thief, and where we also wear red and white jerseys, well, we just say that tracks. Speaking of OU, uh, the Sooners debuted at number two in the preseason poll, making it the second highest ranked team in the SEC. Some analysis now, like because that's what you tune in the show for. There are five Pac-12 teams ranked in the top 25. It's not too shabby, which is one for every year since the league has put a team in the college football playoff. The SEC got a total of six teams into the poll, including longtime and sustaining member Oklahoma, which is one for every team the league thinks should get into the 14 tournament every single year. 16 for four spots. The Big Ten got five into the poll, one to compete in the playoff, and the other four to build Ohio State's resume. The remaining nine ranked teams come from lesser, more inconsequential conferences, like the ACC and the Big 12. Number three, Clemson, received six first-place votes, or the number of broadcasters capable of correctly pronouncing DJ Ui Ungalele. Ohio State ranks number four in the poll, no matter what Dabo Sweeney thinks about it. Pardon me if that's like pouring sugar into an open wound. At number five, Georgia is in a very familiar position. It's looking up at number one, Alabama, looking down on Florida and embarrassingly at four decades without a national title. Talk about your 40-year drought. That's a storyline so absurdly funny that Steve Carell starred in a movie about it. 
Texas A&M sits at sixth in the poll, which might be the highest the Aggies rank all year. To understand why I framed it this way, I feel we need to take a walk through ampersand U football history. You see, recently, Jimbo Fisher has never beaten Alabama as head coach at ampersand U. Ampersand U hasn't beaten Nick Saban in Alabama since 2012 when I graduated grad school. It hasn't won a conference title this century, and it hasn't won a national title since World War II began in 1939. Yet ampersand U fans believe this is their year. And you know what? Ampersand U fans, you are right. This is your year. Every single year. At number seven, Iowa State isn't sneaking up on anybody because its mascot is a tropical storm in a landlocked state. It's kind of hard to miss because it's a meteorological impossibility, you know, like blizzards in Brazil or 110 degree heat in Scandinavia in December or the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Cincinnati locked up the number eight spot means the Bearcats are picked to be the highest ranked team locked out of the playoff for a second straight season. Bravo to them. Notre Dame ranks ninth in the poll. If the Irish can move up three spots by season's end, they'll be in the unparalleled position to lose a 10th straight New Year's Six Bowl. Fighting Irish. North Carolina is ranked number 10 in the poll. It's the first time that the Tar Heels have been ranked this highly at the start of the season since 1997. Expectations in Raleigh haven't been this high since tutors at UNC told players, I got you. Now, the uh, AP poll has been around since like 1936, right? That year, unemployment reached 16.9% in the U.S. Germany aligned with Italy and Japan to form the Axis powers, and King Edward abdicated the throne. But it was a banner year for sports shoulder programming. Hit a new high with yet a new way to rank stuff. The top 10 teams in the preseason poll, of course, again, as a recap, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas A&M, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. Now, every single year for the past 19 years, save 2019, there has been at least one preseason top team, top 10 team that finished the season unranked. So as you can see, these rankings can pick a national title winner and predict the future. Defending Pac-12 champ Oregon ranks number 11. Just goes to show that hard work, resilience, and a close relationship with the 19th richest man in the world and progenitor of the most successful retail apparel company in history can do for a young, scrappy program. Let's not confuse Oregon with Alexander Hamilton is all I'm saying. At number 12, Wisconsin carries the nation's expectations to be like the Bucks and Antecumpo, though I don't think that that's really in the cards for them. Florida ranks number 13. I'm honestly just concerned about whether or not they want to be ranked there. If you think that's dismissive, consider the core of this UF team lost 55 to 20 to Oklahoma in the 2020 Cotton Bowl. You realize that the 55 points Oklahoma dropped on Florida in the Cotton Bowl were the most since Nebraska dropped 62 on the Gators in 1996 in the Fiesta Bowl. None of the kids on Florida's team were alive the last time the Gators gave up 55 or more. Most older Florida fans 
Wish they weren't either. Also, Nebraska dropping 62 on somebody. Those were the days. While we're on the subject of Florida, though, I object. And Miami ranks number 14 in the poll. Derek King hasn't lined up an NIL deal partnership with the Hurricanes ranking yet, though I'm sure his company's going to get right on that. USC ranks number 15 in the poll. It is their highest preseason ranking since 2018. Unconfirmed reports are, upon hearing this news, Clay Helton stood in the middle of the Coliseum, threw his sword into the well-heeled gentry in the luxury boxes, and yelled out, are you not entertained? I think he's trying to tell y'all something. LSU ranks number 16, making it the fifth best team in the league behind Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and perennial SEC power Oklahoma. Indiana opens the season ranked number 17. It is the first time the Hoosiers have been ranked in the AP preseason poll since 1969. It's a feat so astounding that Notre Dame and Purdue fans alike had to look up where Indiana is. Iowa ranks 18th here, but remains the nation's number one corn producer, adding even more insult to Nebraska injury. Penn State is ranked number 19, but against number 12 Wisconsin on September 4th, they got to prove it. Sorry, them's the breaks. Washington can substantiate its number 20 ranking by winning at the big house, which is a euphemism for prison. Texas might rank number 21 in the poll, but the Longhorns are number one in unrealistically high expectations. At number 22, Coastal Carolina is ranked so highly that the Duke is already trying to make sure the sun never rises so the Chanticleers can't crow. Shout out to all my Rockadoodle fans out there. Y'all get it. Number 23, Louisiana is ranked, well, excuse me, is a ranked Texas win on the road away from being a real pain in LSU fans' is behind. Like it drank an entire bottle of Raging Cajun Louisiana hot sauce to wash down a dozen jalapeno peppers coated with chili powder engineered to match the heat of the sun. Might hurt a little bit coming out. That's all I'm saying. Number 24, Utah would like to know what gives with all this disrespect. Weren't y'all clamoring for BYU? Clamor for another Utah team. And then rounding out the top 25 is Arizona State, which is redundant. But remember what Mike Leach taught us. You can never underestimate the mystical powers of a sun devil. Next, we have Indiana head coach Tom Allen. Let's take a listen. Coach, how you doing? RJ, I'm doing great, buddy. Good to see you. It sounds like you've been getting the work in because as I was talking about before we started the show, you're getting a little hoarse there, coach. What's it been like for your preseason camp? Well, we just had uh, practice number 12 today. So, yeah, my voice is a little bit raspy, but uh, that's pretty typical for this time of year. I like it, coach. Uh, so one of the things I was noticing as I was preparing for this interview is Indiana finished 2020 ranked for a program record 10 consecutive weeks, including a number 12 final ranking from the Associated Press, the highest final ranking it's had since 1967. And you're coming into a season where you're ranked in the preseason poll for the first time since we landed on the moon. Like, <laughs> how did you do that in four years at Indiana? Well, you know what? I got a great staff and I got an awesome team that a uh, bunch of guys that came here and believed, you know, they bought into the vision that we've, uh, established here and it's been pretty awesome it's been a very deliberate climb 
And, uh, but yeah, I think it was just about changing the mindset. You know, we, from the very beginning, we had to, to create a different mindset here and we had to create belief. And so that's been the goal all along is, is to change the way we view about ourselves, how we do things on a daily basis. And then ultimately, you know, how, how we're viewed and, and that changes the expectations for your program. So, but at the end of the day, I just wanted players and coaches that believed. A lot of coaches want players and coaches who believe, and a lot of coaches will tell me I'm about changing the culture, or they'll have kids that say, we're going to change the culture at this program. I can count on one hand how many times I've seen that happen, coach. Mm -hmm. What is it that you are saying to your kids, to your staff, that you think is clicking at an Indiana school that I don't think I'm coming out of, uh, speaking out of school here, hadn't had the best football tradition? Yeah, you know, we did, we have not. And uh, especially in the lifetime of our players, you know, all the, the kids that we're recruiting, you know, since they've been, you know, aware of college football, we have not. And so that was a challenge for sure. But at the same time, you know, we just wanted to, to create the vision and the belief that, that if we all could come together and make this about the guys around them, which is the LEO, you know, you know culture we built, stands for love each other. And uh, from the very beginning, even before I became the head coach, my first year here, well, I was the defensive coordinator and, uh, um, you know, just tried to establish a mindset that it's not about me. And if you get a whole bunch of guys that don't care who gets the credit and everybody takes accountability for themselves and responsibility for their response, their jobs and the things that we ask them to do within our program. And they truly learn that, man, this is a team game. And when the team makes sacrifices and when the team truly loves one another, cares about each other and plays for each other and, and, and does things and is willing to make those sacrifices for the guy beside me, because that's a choice that you make, then I think something special starts happening. And, and that's how it began. And, and that was intentional for sure. And then try to find coaches that believed that and believed in that culture and, and wanted to, to buy into that and then players that believed in that. And then you got to go recruit kids to come here to have the talent to help you help you win big 10 football games you know so it's been a didn't happen overnight but it's all about relationships to me well coach I, I wanted to speak to that recruiting for just a little bit because I don't I don't again think I'm saying anything you don't know that Indiana at one point is recruiting against Toledo and Miami of Ohio for players and now you're recruiting with a first team all-american at cornerback in your back pocket and two third team all-americans in your back pocket, showing that you can develop not just kids that want to play in the NFL, but also can stand out in the sport that you coach as opposed to what the NFL thinks of them. What is it like for you to go into living rooms now, now that we can go into living rooms, and talk to uh, uh, players and uh, kids about what Indiana football can do for them? Well, I think that the the power has come at this point in – the ability to say, you know, this is what we've done, you know, and it, several years ago it was, hey, you were trying to get this young man and his family to believe in something we haven't done yet. That's something that we we believed we could do if they would just come and help us do it. And so now we have tangible evidence of players, as you just mentioned, that have come here with that belief, whether they were, you know, supposed to be whatever level, you know, in their ranking system coming out of high school. We had guys at all different levels and a lot of them were not projected to be high-end guys but they were they came here they bought in they were developed when they got here physically emotionally mentally and and now they're playing at a high level and so now you go into that living room and say hey we want you to be the next this guy we want you to be the next because this is what we've done and we've been able to have a, a track record of not just maybe what this program did with the previous staff or 
you know, a lot, a lot of programs have a lot of great things that have happened in the past that we don't have as a collective group. And so we can't say that, but my whole challenge with that is, hey, we're the ones coaching you right now. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter what happened here 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. All it matters is who's going to be developing you right now. And so that, that I think that's resonated with families. And also it's, a, it's an environment that, you know, we're going to value them way more as a person. And we're going to love them way more as an individual than as a football player. And that's not just recruiting speak. That's not just, you know, hey, that sounds great. You know, our players will tell them and our players' parents will tell the recruits' parents and their families that that is how it is here. And we do value them more as an individual person as, than what they can do for us as a football player. And so, and I think that resonates with these families because they want their sons to be in an environment where they're going to be developed as a man first. And they're going to be challenged academically to do things the right way in the classroom. And then at the end of the day, when I think you take care of yourself in the classroom and as an individual person, I think the football side of it takes care of itself. Coach, I want to take a moment and quote you back to you for just a second here. Uh, as we counted in the athletic, I'm not bashful about talking about this. When I first took over, I would not allow our team to break anything down on Big Ten champs because I had heard us doing it before, and they felt like they were empty words. I didn't feel like there was belief in those words, and it was more negative than positive. That it was just something you said, and then everybody's jobs were off. This is the first offseason. I've given our players permission to break it down on Big Ten champs. I got to believe now, Coach, that is the statement of intent for you. Why do you believe that your kids have earned the right? the privilege, I should say, to break down on Big Ten champs? Well, you know, it does have to be earned, you know, and that's, that's was, that was the whole point. And, and you have to have a work ethic to back it up. You have to have, you know, a, a lifestyle to back it up. You have to have your, your actions have to back it up because that's words become hollow when they don't match, you know, what you actually do. And so I, I didn't see, you know, a team that was doing the little things that it was going to take to be able to be, you know, quote unquote, big 10 champs one day. And so that's why I didn't want to say it unless I felt like it was genuinely realistic, number one, and number two, something that they have earned the right to say. And so to me, that's, that was kind of the biggest, you know, other than just, you know, everybody, everybody, like you said, everybody wants to believe that you can do certain things, but you, your, your actions have to match. You have to create daily habits. And so we had to change the way we did everything here the way we lifted weights, the way we practice, the way we watch film, the way we do walkthroughs, the way we do all, all the little things that you do to, to help yourself be successful on game day. And so you've got now several years of that. And then now you started getting some breakthrough wins on the field that put you in position. We finished number two in the Big Ten East last year. And that, that way, you know, our goal was to win the Big Ten East. And so we fell short, but, but we've not been in that position since they've had divisions at, at Indiana. And so to me, now that next step is to be able to now – Use that as a as as a, a visionary goal that we have for this program, even though it's always been there on the peripheral. But now I believe they have a realistic opportunity to say it and then go live it out on game day. It's it's a loaded conference, coach, and y'all got a loaded division. But one of the things that I took away from last season is you're down 35 to seven against what becomes the Big Ten champs and a team that plays for a national championship. Your kids storm back to where Ohio State holds on to this 42-35, but you have a quarterback that put up 495 in passing yards, which as a defensive guy, I really want to know how you feel about that. 
but also your kids got to see, no, no, we can play with these dudes. And we were right there. We had an opportunity to beat them. As a matter of fact, if there's not a pick six from Penix, like you're probably playing that game in overtime, coach. Like how close do you think your kids are? Well, you know, you, like you said, you, you, bet, you break down that game. And, I, you know, I, we play them every year I've been here. And, and we've had some battles with them where we've been able to, to be close at halftime and then even into the third quarter, even, even as recent as 2017. And then they pulled away in the fourth quarter and, and they've traditionally pulled away from us. And, and in 2019, it, it wasn't uh, – that was probably the biggest margin of, of, of victory and just, just, just fat out. It never, it never really felt like that we competed with them in, in, in that year. But, but then, you know, when you look at that game and, and you see how our players – battled the way that they did and the way they fought back and and then you're right we had the ball twice in the fourth quarter our last two possessions late in the fourth quarter where we had a chance to go take the ball down the field go and, and to tie the game up and then decide there for what happens next and so you, you have to look at that and look at that game and people can evaluate the game however they want the bottom line was we had a chance with with the you know the clock running down to go win the game and so to me it was a, it was a major step for our program, even though, you know, there was no such thing as a you know moral victory for me at that point. We went there to go win the game and and I addressed that afterwards and, and pretty openly and honestly. And and I just felt like that was what those those guys needed. I was, pr- I was proud of the fight. I was proud of the character that they showed in that moment when it would have been really easy to just, you know, throw in the towel and and and, and just kind of, you know, cash it in. And, and they did not. And I think that that, to me, showed a whole lot about where our program has come to. And we've not had that situation. We've never had it where we've come back and made it close at the end since I've been here. And so, and, and like I said, it's just, you just take those moments and you teach from them. And to me, that's what we tried to do was be able to, to, to make it a teachable moment of how we can in the future, you know, find a way to win game like that. Cause just like we had to find a way to win the Penn state game and try to find a way to beat a team like a Michigan, try to find a way to beat a team like Wisconsin on the road, which we haven't done for a long, long time. And to win those close games against perennial top teams in this conference. And so to me, that's where we are. And so there's no question we are close, but you know, like as you mentioned, we play a brutally tough schedule. We're in a great division. It's very challenging. And then we play other really, really good big 10 teams cross divisional. And then we have a really, really talented non-conference opponent that we're going to play against. So bottom line is, is we're going to be at our very best each and every week. And that's really the whole goal is play your best football each week. And if that's what you do, then you know what? You can hold your head high and know you're doing things the right way. Coach, it's that last sentence that I want to focus on here because your biography in particular, I find fascinating and it is football. Like you fence coordinator Armwood in Florida before coming to head coach. You coached Jackson, Tennessee, Lambooth. You coached in Iowa at Drake. You coached at every level there is to coach at in this game. Is football football to you, or is there something that you're able to take, especially as a defensive coach, everywhere you go? Because your defenses routinely have been, I'm not ashamed to say it, they've been kicking butt, coach. Like, it seems like everywhere you go, you can put a defense on the field. What is it that you know that the rest of us don't? Well, football is football. I do believe that, you know, like I said, I've coached at a, a small high school level and, you know, big time high school level. I've coached at small college and now, you know, major college of the Big Ten and the SEC. And so, you know, I, I think people are, are people, you know, you, how you build a team is, is consistent. You know, it's, it's relative per the level, you know, of, uh, you know, who you're going, who, who you're playing against, you know, and, and the, 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 how you motivate, how you lead, how you get someone to, to chase after greatness in their life. And then as a football player, 
that part doesn't change. And so, and I, yeah, I'm a defensive guy. There's no doubt about it. And, and I've uh, been really blessed to be able to ha have a huge part in and being able to help some defenses get a whole lot better wherever we've gone. And, and that's, uh, you know, as a defensive coordinator, a lot of the time, sometimes even as a position coach, to be able to help change an environment and the culture and, and, and just to bring an energy and a belief and a, and, and, and a, and a way and a, an intensity to how we're going to play together. Because as I will continue to say, the best team wins. That's the key. It's getting your guys to play together, to believe in each other, to trust each other, to trust the coaches. And to me, it's the whole, the bottom line, it doesn't matter where we've gone. It's building relationships. It's building a bond with these players when they know you love them, you care about them way beyond football. And that has been the common denominator from day one, whether it's been Temple Heights, you know, Christian school down there, my first job to Armwood, all the way up to Indiana where I was at Marion and then Ben Davis for all those years. And then the college journey that we went on from 10 years, you know, going to, like you mentioned, every level, of course, every level except junior college, you know, in, in this sport. And so basically, yeah, I, it's, it's loving people. It's caring about these guys. And then and it's holding them to a high standard of behavior, to a high standard of preparation, and ultimately a high standard of performance. And, and, and we are relentless with the pursuit of that. And that will never change. And the energy level that we have, it stays up here. I'm going to coach that way. I'm going to, it's going to be passionate. It's going to be fiery. It's going to be intense. That's just all I know. And that's what I believe in. And, and I do have a defensive mindset. There's no doubt about that. And, and that's how I coach. And that's, I'm just trying to be me and be real and be genuine and just coach with my hair on fire every single time we take the field. And that's how I want our teams to play. It's contagious, Coach. Uh, the, the term that folks use when they talk about me, for instance, is energy. And I, I push that back. I say it's charisma because that's what I get from you. I get tons of charisma. And that's why I'm interested in this question. Who are your mentors? Who did you learn to do this from? Well, first of all, my dad, you know, he was my high school coach. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and to me, the biggest thing from him was the work ethic, the toughness, the attention to detail, mm. uh, the relentless, you know, approach to things. And, and that was number one. And then I just think, you know, as you go through, uh, you know, Dick Dolahan was a major influencer on me. Uh, ben Davis, high school head coach that hired me there, the you know, Hall of Fame coach of, of uh, that program and, and uh, just learned so many great things about him and, and, and or from him and and then you know he was a big big person that really pushed me or encouraged me to to make the jump to college and, and pulled me into his office and said you know I just think you're wired to be a to be a college coach and and uh, so I always had that desire it's just you know sometimes you don't know how do I even make that happen you know so and, and I just feel like that you know people along the way and you know Chris Creighton's been a real influencer on me as well I coached he hired me at Wabash and then again at Drake and you know, his intensity and fire passion burns deep and he's a tremendous leader of men. And so those those guys have really helped shape me, you know, as, as a person in regards to some style of things. But I think a lot of it is just, you know, I just it's just me being me, you know, and, and, I, and I played with a ton of intensity and, and fire and passion as a player. And uh, um, I just believe that's, you know, I, I know in my heart, this is what I was created to do. And when you know your purpose in life, it creates passion and it, and it creates conviction and it allows you to, to, to function at a high level of energy. Why? Because, man, I know why I was placed here. And it gives you so much confidence to go chase whatever the good Lord puts in your heart. And so I, I feel that every single day and it drives me and it motivates me. 
Coach Allen got a got a southeastern sensibility about him. It's one of the first things I pick up from you, Coach. And I got to ask this: as a guy who coached at Florida, coached in Arkansas, coached in Mississippi, when you were offered the job at Indiana, and you told Miss Tracy, like, what what was what was her reaction to all of this? Like, we're going to be Indiana now? Is that what we're doing? Well, the good news is this is my home, and uh, that made it a strong pull. But I will say, we were living in Tampa, Florida, at the time which is a really nice place to live from a weather perspective. And we've lived there two different times. And so that the idea that we were coming back to Indiana, you know, she was excited for the opportunity that the, the, the position created at IU and to be a defense coordinator in the big 10. But I, I yeah, to, to be honest, it's hard to move from the Tampa Bay area. You know, we lived right there on in Harbor Island in that little nice little spot. So, but yeah, she's a, she's a trooper. She's amazing. And, uh, you know, as she said very, very eloquently that when we pursued this college dream, you know, what, what, you know, my dream became the family's dream. And she was the, the driver of that because she, you know, was the, you know, the one with, the, with all of our kids when, when they had to make all the moves and all the tears and all the tough, tough saying goodbye to your friends that they've established. We moved seven times in 10 years, you know, and, and that whole journey from when I left high school, where I came back to Indiana as the D.C. So but you know what? This is home. Bloomington's a beautiful, amazing place, and this is my home state, so it means a lot to me. Now, Coach, I'm always going to try to put it a, an emphasis on, on your partner there because they, yeah. I, for me, watching what coaches do, I always think, man, I, their, second, their other half has to be doing so much work so that they can be great doing this on the it's sidelines. So when you, when you give her those sorts of uh, flowers, if you will, mm -hmm. it, it warms my heart, Coach. I, I need to tell you that because that's – there's, there's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. No um, I wanted to ask this, though. Why is the term for your 2021 team chase? Why did you settle on that as a term for you? Yeah, so we're a big one word program. And so got that from John Gordon and his one word book. Right. He co-authored. And uh, so every year we come up with a one word. And for me, you know, I just always take what whatever I feel like our team needs and pray about it, you know, really try to. They have a good feel for our guys and what's next for our program. And, you know, we finished the bowl game and that was a disappointment. And uh, I knew we had a lot of guys coming back and there's going to be high expectations for the team. And I'm like, how do we get this team to play and to, to be from here to take them to another level, which is a very difficult next step to do. There's no doubt about it. And so I just felt like that that word embodied everything I wanted. So I went through and got the definition for chase and, and it's an earnest or frenzied seeking after something desired. And that's the definition that I put up on, on the big screen when we had our team meeting back in January when the team returned from, from being away after the bowl game. And so uh, also to broke it down a, a step further, and that the earnest piece there is a, an intense conviction, okay, which is a very powerful, I think, word, way to talk about how you have to chase after something with an intense conviction. And then the frenzied word is a fiery, passionate pursuit of something. So these are purposeful words that we picked here. To, to describe how we want to chase after greatness. And it's not just as a football player. So I want our guys to be able to identify personally, academically, and then as a football player, how they're going to chase after greatness in their life. We met with them one-on-one, -on -one, charted that whole thing out, and had, wrote it all down. They wrote it all down for me. I put it in my computer so I can hold them accountable for those things they want to do. So to me, it's not just about, hey, we're going to be a, you know, it's another year. We got a bunch of guys back. We're going to automatically just be better. Okay, it doesn't work like that. We play at such a high level in, in this league and in this country that if we don't get better, then, man, you're going you're gonna to slip back. 
And so I want this team to keep building and keep growing. And so to me, that word to me embodied, I want our team to chase after grace every day, like a starving lion is chasing after its prey. That's the intensity. That's the fiery passion I want our guys to approach this with. And to me, that's how we dealt with that. And so now our guys have bought into it. They've all got their own one words that they pick as well. But that's our one word for 2021 as a team. And that's chase. Coach Tom Allen is chasing at Indiana. Coach, thank you so much. I know you got a big one up against Iowa to start the season. I appreciate your time. RJ, it's been a pleasure. Have an awesome day. Elio. You too, sir. Confronting performance concerns has historically been every guy's worst nightmare. Trekking to the doctor's office with another awkward conversation, followed by a long wait at the pharmacy. Thankfully, help is here at bluechew.com, offering the first chewables with the same active ingredients as well-known alternatives, so you'll be 100% confident every time. Plus, your online consultation is free, and delivery arrives in discreet packaging. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try it for free when you use promo code FOXSPORTS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code FOXSPORTS to receive your first month free. My thanks to Indiana head coach Tom Allen for joining us. Again, his program is in a very good and cool position where they have an opportunity to really make some noise in the Big Ten. And now... We're on to a very fun We Out Here segment where I gave the people this question. Who is the most overrated team in the AP preseason top 25? And we got some doozies of answers. I'm sure I haven't really checked this thread since I posted it, but I gave it to producer Cat, who thought it was good enough to do for a segment here. And now producer Cat comes in to tell us what she found and uh, what she would like me to respond to. All right, here's your first one. This is from Hank. Cincinnati, what do they have? One top 25 win against a team that finished in the top 25 this decade? Maybe two top wins ever in program history? You know, I get where he's coming from. I didn't expect this to get all of the shade from Cincinnati, but I am inclined to agree with him. I am not as high as almost everybody else on Cincinnati for a number of reasons. I don't look at Desmond Ritter and see a first-round quarterback. I see a dude that throws as many interceptions as he does touchdowns, a guy that perhaps isn't a marksman in the way that you want him to be, and you're replacing a defensive coordinator that I thought was the truth in Marcus Freeman, who moved on to Notre Dame. Luke Fickle gets in Dan Enos, but I don't see that as a fix-all, especially in a loaded American where you have – non-conference games against Indiana and Notre Dame this season. If they get to be number eight by November, I would be shocked. I would overrate them as well. I'm not even sure they're going to make my top 25, but that's me. I'm inclined to be with Hank on this. Cincinnati is overrated. Let's see if you agree with this one. So this is from Andrew. Florida at 13. That is way too high. Questions at QB replacing a ton at the skill position. They belong closer to 22 to 25 range if ranked at all. Yeah. No, I'm with that as well. Like I watched Emory Jones against Oklahoma last year. I wasn't inspired. Now this is also a guy who was down to like 
Florida, Tennessee, and Ohio State at one point, and it actually made way in a roundabout way for Justin Fields to end up at Ohio State and at Georgia, which is wild to think about because that is the kind of player that you expected Emory Jones to be, and he hasn't. And then you lose two first-round picks at receiver and Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts, who defies positional description because that's not a tight end. It's not a wide receiver. That is the evolution of football over there. And you lost the Heisman front runner in Kyle Trask, a guy that we didn't think was going to be that good, ended up being that good. Emory Jones just has to show me that he's that good before I just give them the number 13 spot to say nothing of their defense. Now, I'm not inclined to say that people are just showing up to take what they want from Florida. But LSU showed up and took exactly what they wanted from Florida, who was ranked number seven in the country in the swamp with a true freshman quarterback. I'm not ranking Florida. I'm not. That's Georgia's division this year, no matter what anybody wants to say about it. And Florida has some absolute monsters on its schedule. We'll see what they look like in the SEC. But no, I'm inclined to agree with Andrew. Florida's overrated, Cat. Next one is from Gray Thompson. Hmm. I want UNC to actually be a top 10 team so bad. I really do. I wish I believed it. I don't. I'm trying, and they'll likely start the season 6-0, but that's my answer. No, I'm, I'm with this thinking, right? Because North Carolina occupies the spot that I would have given to a Utah. I look at Utah, and I see you got better through the portal, and you also are fixing some issues that have plagued you, like, for instance, your passing game, right? Going to get a quarterback like Charlie Brewer, who I expect to be the starter when Utah opens the season. And it could start its season 3-0 and at, at a minimum, if not 4-0, depending on how you want to view USC this year, who I also think is going to be really good. But both SC and Utah got better in the portal and in their recruiting classes in a way that North Carolina did not. I love Mac Brown. I truly do. I like watching Sam Howell. I also know that Michael Carter and Javante Williams are gone. Deami Brown and Daz Newsom are gone. You are asking a lot of that receiving core in particular, even as you added Ty Chandler from Tennessee, who was good. But many people think that Eric Gray was the better of the two backs, and he's at Oklahoma, just to show you how loaded Tennessee once was at one time and why I think they will get there again relatively soon, right? The way that people are thinking about Ole Miss now is the way I expect people to think about Tennessee in the coming years. That one's for you, Kat. But with, I'm with Gray. I wish I believed they were a top-10 team because that'd be a lot of fun. And I would love to see somebody challenge Clemson in a meaningful way outside of perhaps Florida State, Miami. But I'm also not inclined to think that North Carolina is better than Florida State and Miami. They're just going to have to show me. And I think we're giving them the benefit of the doubt based on how they played last season. So I'm agreeing with everybody for the first time today, Kat. I think you're also going to agree with this one. But before okay. I read um, – can we go ahead and change the, the graphic here? Before I read this to you, um, I want you to look at our friend um, Karen's picture. Just look at it. Don't comment on it, but just look at her profile picture before I read this. I haven't even looked at this thing, and I know the answer is Texas. Death, taxes, yada, yada. I can't see it. What is it? What does it say? She's doing a horns down. Oh, I didn't see that. Just wanted okay. to point that out. Okay. But All right. Her pick is Texas. I'm inclined to agree with Karen, who is now unfortunately named, but I'm inclined to agree with the Karen for the first time in the history of the number one ranked show. 
And a lot of this has to do with, I don't know what Steve Sarkeesian's Texas looks like. He's not exactly inheriting a Ferrari, even as they've got the parts to build one. Like, I keep going back to my Formula One analogies because I think they work and I like the sport. But, Kat, there's a racing team called Haas that is American-owned in Formula One. They have a Formula One car. They could build a car that rivals Mercedes or Red Bull or any of the major teams that you would think of that are capable of winning a championship. But just because you have the parts does not mean that you can build a car that can compete. That's how I see Texas until you show me that you have built a car that can compete. And then you look at Texas's schedule. It's low-key a gauntlet. Like, they're starting out as the number 21 team in the country, but Louisiana's going to be like, bet, showing up to their house looking to wreck shop. And then you have an Arkansas who's going to be feisty if nothing else, right? And I'm, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Texas to have two losses before they head up against Oklahoma the second Saturday in October. I'm inclined to agree. I don't think they're going to be bad, but I wouldn't preseason rank them top 21 or top, top 25, period. I would, in my most Monique voice, I would like to see it before I rank it. All right, Kat, is that what we got today? No, I saved the best one for last that oh, you're sweet. both definitely going to disagree with. Okay. This is from the fifth lane. We mm. don't know his actual, unless his name's Lane, we don't know his actual name. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Win a game on the big stage and show you belong. Yes, burners are for crap. Burners are for cowards. That's 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 my take there. You don't say this if you have to attach your name to it. Okay. If you if people get to drag you, like people get to drag me, right? Because my name is on everything that I say. Nah, man, I'm not even gonna entertain that. We all know what Oklahoma is. That's the problem, actually. It's like Georgia. We know what it's supposed to do. We just needed to do what it's supposed to do. And until Oklahoma gets to number one, I'm not inclined to say that they're overrated. And even then, it's right where they should start. It's about where they're going to finish. Now, as much as I make jokes about the Big 12, and I will continue to make jokes about the Big 12 because it's funny, Iowa State is a really good football team. Texas, again, if they assemble the parts and when are they most uh, likely to assemble, but for their most aided rival in Oklahoma. And then Kansas state is living in an era where their head coach is undefeated against Oklahoma. You know, like it's, and then watching Dave Aranda's defense. I got the willies, right? Dave Aranda 100% has Lincoln Riley's behind. Like he's got him. First at LSU, now at Baylor. Something about that defense gives Lincoln Riley's offense the shakes. Okay? And those are the ones that are off the top of my head. However, I still think it's one of the two best teams in the country. I mean, I'm not mad at number two. I ranked him number one. Hello? You know, I, I, burners are for cowards. Anyway, my thanks to producer Kat for helping put together this segment. It's one of my favorites to do each and every week. I really do look forward to it, and I really look forward to the Twitter interaction with you. Now, I want to give you my top 10 impact freshmen for 2021. Let's talk about my top 10 impact freshmen. You know how much I love recruiting. I know how much you love recruiting. 
and we want to talk about the guys that are going to affect our teams heading into this 2021 season. I picked out my 10 favorite. Let's start at number 10, Jatavion Sanders. All right. I love that Jatavion Sanders picked for me. I love that for me. Uh, it's an inside joke. You'll get it later. But I love that for me because that man plays both, side, both ways, and he's going to start out playing tight end for Texas. That's the thought, at least. Could he end up playing pass rusher? Could he end up being like a wide nine? Yes, he's that good, okay? This is a man who would stand in the end zone with his arm outstretched in the air, and they would throw him the ball, and he would just clutch it. He's got that sort of range, he's got this sort of athleticism, and he likes to have that kind of fun. Also a teammate of Billy Bowman's, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. So Texas, be happy, you got one of my 10 best. Number nine, Ja'Cory Brooks. All right, Ja'Cory goes for like 1,500, leads Booker T in Miami to a state championship, then bounced to IMG before heading out to join the best recruiting class in rankings history. That'd be Alabama. This is one of the guys that is going to help you replace Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. It's going to add to John Mechie. I mentioned one other earlier in my top in my top preseason teams, right? My top ten. But when I think about Corey, I think about a guy that is going to compete, gonna help you get those guys that you want toward the top. And I think we're going to see more of him than less of him in 2021. Number eight, Donovan Edwards. Ugh. All right, I say I say it just like that because my man rushed for over a thousand yards in nine games in a COVID year. In a play year, man rushes for over 1,000 yards, and you need the help at Michigan. I know that Jim Harbaugh's favorite player on that team is Hassan Haskins because he told me so. But Donovan Edwards is going to help you do what Jim Harbaugh loves to do the most, run the doggone football, and play ball control. I really love this for Michigan. Number seven, Billy Bowman. That man gives himself to alliteration, and he's going to give himself even more at Oklahoma. Can play both ways for you can play the slot back position, can play the nickel safety position, can return kicks for you, can return punts for you, and insult the injury for you Texas fans. And the reason I want to give you some love at number 10, you know Billy Bowman was committed to the University of Texas before flipping his commitment to hated rival Oklahoma, where I expect he'll be on a team competing for a national championship. Number six, JT Tuimolau. Right, now, here's the thing. I could have him higher, I could have him lower. We're really talking about Larry Johnson and this kid's just amazing ability at six foot five, 280 pounds. Chris Holtman is already talking about, I'm going to have conversations with Ryan Day about whether or not I can have JT play basketball in the winter months. That's phenomenal for him and phenomenal for Ohio State, but he just got to campus. We don't know what kind of shape he is in, but I would expect to see him playing lots of snaps as we get closer to the game toward the end of the season. All right, let's go to my top five. Number five, Corey Foreman. All right, I was telling folks, you didn't really need to keep JT Tuimolau in the Pac-12. He's from the state of Washington because you already signed the number one player in the country from the state of California. Tremendous win for the Pac-12, even bigger win for USC, a bookend with a friend in Drake Jackson, who is probably going to end up a first round draft pick. So your defensive line for Todd Orlando is set. You understand what you have. And I think you get to say, hey, look, 
we convinced the number one player in the country to come to a team really hadn't played for a championship in well over a decade. That's not a small thing. Number four, Ajay Hall. Remember, I mentioned him when I was talking about Ja'Cory Brooks. You're going to lean on these two freshmen quite a bit for Bill O'Brien's Alabama offense because you have to. But that is also what they were recruited to do. One of my favorite things is to hear Nick Saban rebut what players wouldn't say negatively recruiting against him. One of those is, hey, if you go to Alabama, you're not going to play. To which Saban would say, doesn't that insult you? That they're telling you that you're not good enough to play at Alabama? Otherwise, why am I here? No, he wants those kids that can play right away. And if you're that good, you will see the football field. And I think Ajay is that good. Number three, Will Shipley. I love Mr. Hershey, right? I call, I, this, this milk Hershey, white, white, white chocolate. Keep, keep up, keep up. Look, this is your answer for Travis Etienne. Okay, this is the man that I think you're going to see get the bulk of the touches, not just this year, but then in the coming years. And he's going to have over 2,000 yards all purpose. Really love this for Tony Elliott's offense and DJ Uyunglele, who's going to need a guy seven and a half yards deep that he can hand the rock to, then go get him 10. Number two, Travion Henderson. All right, this is one of my favorite players heading into 2021. Didn't get to see him play at all in 2020 because the state of Virginia decided against playing football in that COVID year. But Travion Henderson has a highlight tape that's like nine minutes long and everything is going for a house call. He's only, he's only going to make house calls. That's all he's doing. And also played some defense back where he's over to pick off other players. No, number 32 for Ohio State, I believe is going to have a tremendous career and you're about to see the start of it in 2021 and at number one Jack Sawyer all right I was on a plane ride home watching Ohio State spring game because it's my job and I'm watching this dude tear up this Ohio State offensive line three months after getting to campus on the other side is one Zach Harrison this is one of the best players in the country you're going to hear his name quite a bit you know Joey Bosa's name. You know Nick Bosa's name. You know Chase Young's name. You're going to know Jack Sawyer's name. All right, those are my top 10 impact freshmen. That's going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. My thanks to Indiana head coach Tom Allen, who has a tremendously big game against number 18 Iowa to open the season. Good luck to he and the Hoosiers. Also, some news here. We're moving from one show a week to two shows a week beginning the Sunday after week zero. That means that we're going to recap and react to the day of college football Sunday following each Saturday. And then on Tuesdays, we're going to do live shows, which I'm very excited about, where we will react to the college football playoff rankings. Yes, I understand. The college football playoff rankings don't actually come out until November but if you have learned nothing else about me and this show, it is that I have things to say and I have my own rankings, which I will give to you in addition to some comments on the news of the day on those Tuesday live shows. The show is executively produced by Kristen Herlihy. It is produced by Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus, who just joined the team. I'm very excited about that. And social media is managed. See what I did there? by JV on Duncan. And of course, you know, I host the show. All right. 
We will see y'all on Sunday when we talk about the day of college football that Saturday. Stay for me. Doses. <laughs>